Welcome to Much More Muchier with Pup Duffy and Carol Lane, an Odd Imagination production. So today we are talking with Owen O'Brien. Um, he is this, he's one of the stars for Never Back Down, No Surrender as a Cobra O'Connor. He also was in Last Full Measure as Hal Slade. Um, he did the co, uh, the cave, I'm sorry, or was it? Yeah, it's a, I can't read my own writing. Um, United States Air Force Sergeant O'Brien. Um, and he is doing, I found out from Brandon Slagel that you're doing um, another movie, The Flood with him. So. Actually two others, we have The Flood and another one that Brandon made, we made right after The Flood, which is called Six Days in Malay. <gasps> oh. Six Days in Malay stars uh, Rampage Jackson and also stars Don Cerrone, two UFC champions or superstars anyway, at least. And yeah, but The Flood, I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to do ADR for both of them tomorrow. So I'll get to see some of the clips and I'll get to see some of, uh, hopefully, some of the CGI and how it looks. And um, Brandon's already shared a little bit of, of that with me. So I'm very excited to see uh, the fruits of our labor because it was a, it was a two weeks shoot and yeah, we all worked very hard. We were submerged in water and we, I think we're going to earn this one. <laughs> he, um, uh, he, he did brag about you with, with the flood. He, he was telling me that you easily stole the show. So I'm super excited now to see that. And then the six days in, in Malay. That's going to be he's such a sweetheart. That's I appreciate that. I love hard. Brandon. Yeah, me too. Me too. I I had a I interviewed him. It was my first interview to to do on him was with Frost, and um, gosh, I was just like, we are now best friends, duh. So I'm like, I talk to him all the time. I'm just like, hey, I really like this. So today we're gonna talk about. Hopefully, the future will talk about the flood in this in six days in Malay. But today we are talking about. Battle for Saipan, which was written and directed by Brendan Slagel, and stars Casper Van Dien, Jeff Fahey. Um, you've got yourself as uh, Connor, and you've got uh, Louis Mandalore. Said that right. You said that right. Yeah, well done. You're very good with names. You're very good. You're <laughs> you're two out of two. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't let my my infinite amounts of research fool you i am terrible at names i have my husband calls me r2d2 for a reason because he's always having to translate things for me because like, we went to uh we went to louisiana. yeah yeah he is and so he's from louisiana and okay. i uh i heard that you're playing a nice cajun and that your right. cajun accent is on point I was say. so i was yeah, I was telling Brandon, I was like, well, we'll find out because when I watched The Waterboy for the first time, I could never understand what that one coach was saying. And then I ended up meeting my husband and meeting his family who are very Cajun. And then I was like, watch The Waterboy a few years later. And I understood everything that coach was saying. And I was like, wow, I can't believe he's so inspirational. He's like the silent bulb of that movie. And I missed it because I could not understand a word he was saying. 
So yeah, once once it clicks in, you kind of like decode the pronunciation, and then and then you've got it right. I had the same sort of situation when I went. I played basketball in the United States. I went over on a scholarship, and I had people from Kentucky and Louisiana and all. And like the first couple of weeks, we were all staying in one house together. The first couple of weeks, I was having. A uh, little translation difficulties myself, but then once it clicks, you get it and you've got it and you can understand it. So things like burr, drinking a burr and over her and all that just yeah. becomes normal after that. Yeah, yeah. Like, and that's the thing, I guess, because I'm I'm here, I'm based here. Uh, I do have some issues with like thick Boston accents. It's like, are you saying khakis or are you saying car keys? Like, what are we saying here? <laughs> you know? But um, so but I'm really excited to see that Cajun accent. Um, and and the thing that's brilliant in a uh, battle for Saipan, I didn't even know you were Irish until I looked it up. I mean, your name is obviously very Irish, but very, you know, yeah. but it's like was I didn't realize you were born in Ireland, you know. So yeah. I I was like very your 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 accent is flawless. So did you do like? Did you do like voice coaching for yes. accents and stuff? Yes, I did. So I didn't want to just wing that and, you know, watch a couple of movies and do a bad impression. I have a voice coach that I work with and uh, her name's Rebecca Simon. And I got introduced to her through my Meisner acting class. And in the second year of Meisner, you do an impediments. You do physical impediments, maybe mental impediments and vocal impediments. So you... In our class, the American accent speakers would learn British and the British accent speakers would learn American. And I'm just kind of, <laughs> I'd lived in America already. I did the American, which was kind of an easy for me. Actually, the British is probably harder. Uh, but yeah, I worked with her and her husband was uh, a full-blooded Cajun. Like, he, well, he's from Southern Louisiana. So although he had been sort of normalized from living in different parts of the States, I think uh, they're in New York now it was really great to hear him come in with me they actually both for um for the flood they both helped me with the Cajun accent but she was really really on point helping me with the Joyzy pronunciation so uh, I, I did my best and we do a vocal we do a session and I kind of go over it again and again and again and yeah just I'm looking forward to seeing how that turned out myself it's really right. interesting to see how you were able to manage the different accents that you've had over your career thus far. Uh, it's incredible. It, I would you. never have guessed that you had an Irish accent like at all. So well, kudos. living in the States for four years kind of almost wiped it out. So I have to try and, <gasps> you know, I can just turn it back on when I need to, uh, luckily. But I also lived in London. I've lived in Spain. I've lived in a lot of different places. So I've been exposed to different sounds, different voices, different uh, dialects sort of throughout my life. And, and growing up in Ireland, we're watching television from Australia, from the USA a lot, from the UK. So whereas America, I think American people are a little bit more insular. They're kind of in their American bubble and they'd have less exposure. So maybe it's, it's you know, more foreign, more unfamiliar less familiar for an American person but kind of us in Ireland we're we're very used to the different sounds and the different voices different dialects so it's maybe it's it's a little bit of a cheat for us it's easier I took three years of Spanish and I remember maybe part of Spanish one and that's it like yeah. we went to Mexico 
uh, and I husband got heartburn and he was my translator. He's my C-3PO. And I went down there to the shop and I was looking for something to help with this heartburn. And the lady there only spoke Spanish. And I was like, oh my, here we go. And I was like, you know, mi esposo es muy caliente in his corazón, you know? <laughs> and like, she started laughing at me and I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, but she took me to the antacids and gave me what I needed. I got back to my room and I told my husband what I said. He's like, you basically just told her we have hot sex. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. That's so why she gave I'm, me that look. <laughs> that's why I'm like, I, I should not be trusted with any foreign language. I will try, but I will either get yeah. looked at, laughed at, or thrown in jail. Yeah, when, when you first try that, you know, you think, okay, if I say the word the right way, then maybe it works. But this, you know, this, the rhythm, you know, and the, and the stress, and, and this, there's a lot more than just changing the word. And I see some Americans, they come to Thailand, and they struggle trying to learn the Thai language whereas if you if you're here like me for over 10 years you really have to right or you know why wouldn't you um right it just helps in so many ways so i guess i started to pick up thai earlier and and more quickly without studying uh a little bit easier for the same reasons which is yeah whenever you're kind of like living in the culture it it, and surrounded by that it does help it kind of cement because you're using it regularly and things like that so and you've been living in thailand for what like 14 years now 14 years yeah so i came over here to to teach to coach basketball originally and after about a year as soon as i came here i started learning thai boxing and i'm in my thai boxing gym and i'm I'm training every day and some people came in there and they wanted a big foreigner a big bad looking foreigner for their action film and this action film was called Fireball, and it was a combination of Muay Thai, which is Thai boxing, and basketball. And I'm like, hold on, did you write this for me? You know, is there anyone better to play this role? So, you know, I'd always dreamed about being in a film, but I, I just never thought that, you know, Growing up in Ireland, that's not it's not talk to you in in your guidance counselor is not saying, you know, would you like to go into acting? You know, it's much more grounded. So when this kind of chance came upon me, I was I just jumped on it and um then we're shooting a fight scene and I'm killing five people at once. We're in a motorcycle pit and this motorcycle's like I'm driving sideways on the wall around us, there's tanks parked outside and it was just a great experience. And, you know, after that, I just kept kept pursuing it again and again. And after a couple of years of doing action films and, and martial art films and stuff like that, I, you know, I really wanted to be an actor. So I started actually studying acting, which was, I felt was a necessary step. So that's obviously, you know, that helps a lot. And you start working on classic texts and you're not just this tough guy role that you might be in an action film and you learn about vulnerability and sensitivity and and how audiences really connect to a character which is through their weakness often just as much as it is through their strength so you know if you want a superman type character you watch superman but everybody else wants to see the humanity in the character and you know their vulnerabilities and their weaknesses and that's something that is really developed in working on texts like um arthur miller or sam shepherd or you know any of the the classic, even theater, which I'd never done before. 
and I still haven't done theater, but just working on those um, plays in class, I think helps helps a lot. Yeah, and you bring up that whole like um, humanity, but it's, you know, and the vulnerability that that I think that I connect more to that than I do the strengths, just because that person is fallible, just like you. There, it, it it brings about this whole commiserating, you know, thing like, okay, well, you know, they've got their flaws, I've got mine, and like, they're doing great, you know. So I, I love that, and and with with Connor character, you see that you really do. You see that commiseration and. Like my my favorite favorite part um, was the uh, the bantering, and I've got it written down. Like I've got all my quotes written down because I found them, yeah. and I was like, I love this, I love this. But it was the the burrows coming together, huh? Burrows coming together. We aren't that different, are we? It's like, no, no, we're not. Don't pride yourself on that duck. Tonight could be your last night. And I'm sitting here like. <laughs> And then it goes on is like because I'm from Jersey. <laughs> I'm just sitting here like I died. I was like, yeah, I understand that. Oh, there it goes. Yeah, I I'm over on the other that. side of the room, getting left out of the conversation. And they're you know smoking their cigarettes, and I'm like, hey, because I'm from Jersey, you know, give me yeah, a cigarette. I want to. I want to join in. That was like one of my favorite scenes because it, it's it's the coming together of you know you've got you know, people that you've obviously known Vic for some time, you've, you understand that there's that established friendship and that relationship there. But then Lois's character comes in and kind of just whammies everything and throws like a wrench in those like that normal mellow day plan that you guys usually do. And yeah. so there's that whole like tenseness between his character and then Jeff's character. And then you see the humanity side of all of you guys together in right. that one scene and it was it was probably pro the most poignant scene in the whole movie that really spoke to me because it brought that um that togetherness feeling like the family feeling that i know my husband is in the military so i know that they all have that and it doesn't matter what branch they're in or what war they went to or whatever they have that togetherness kind of like brother you know, feeling. So yeah, y'all did an incredible job on that. Thank you so much. First, I just want to say it was an absolute joy and pleasure to work with those guys and, and to have them as scene partners. I mean, how could, how could we go wrong? Uh, those films are shot quickly and it's rapid fire. We go through a lot of pages in one day. We have a short time to, to get something done. And for that day, that was towards the end of the shoot. I'm really thankful for Brandon and everybody for just slowing it down that day. We shot that scene throughout the whole day, whereas another day we might have shot five, six, seven scenes. I'm not sure how many, right? But that day, we just slowed it down. This is the, the heart of the film here is this, this scene where they know there's a highly, you know, there's a high probability that they will go out and get killed soon trying to escape from this invasion. And you know, the, the whole talk it revolves around, you know, what would we do when we get back to, to America, when we get back home? And yeah, that was, it was just, Casper was really, he's really from Jersey, but he'd never, you know, when he moved out to California after, you know, Starship Troopers or before then, he was told not to speak like that, you know, that that would, you know, hinder him getting jobs. So it really 
started coming out from Casper, and I loved hearing hearing that in his voice. And uh, Lewis too was was great. And you know, we had Jeff Fahey watching us behind, and he was just like, "It was beautiful. It was it was theater. It was beautiful. It was theater." And that was just pumping us up and getting us more into it. Yeah, let's do another take. Let's do another take. And meanwhile, I'm smoking. <laughs> I'm smoking cigarettes, which I don't ever have never smoked cigarettes. And I asked for stunt cigarettes, cigarettes, herbal cigarettes or whatever. But for whatever reason, they didn't show up on the day. So we just had to roll with the punches. And so I'm smoking <laughs> menthols. My head is spinning. Maybe that helped me, you know, and my head is spinning around. I'm trying not to pass out or puke on myself. And uh, maybe it helped. Maybe it helped because I do have a couple of bullets in me. I, I I, I believe at that point. And um, yeah, so there was a, the other obstacle of getting over my nicotine high and, and trying to perform with, with the guys uh, as best I could. But that was uh, a highlight of the shoot for sure. And we shot it from every angle. We really got a lot of coverage on that. And I hope it is reflected. I'm sure it will be reflected in, in the final product. Before I got sent the screener, Brandon had sent me, because we were talking about like, when I interviewed him in Frost, we were talking about like 80s, 90s action flicks and how they're not you know i think expendables is probably one of the last great action flicks outside of like you know indie you know film and stuff like that um and we were talking about that and i was like i really miss good fight scenes like you know van damme bruce willis and you know sylvester stallone i missed those and he was like i got something for you and so he said to me it was like a cut of the fight scene with uh with casper in the room and he's just like i was like oh my god and the camera spins and i was like what yeah. you know so it was it was incredible um it, it's probably one of my favorite uh uh wartime movies because you know you guys are kind of stuck at this field hospital like makeshift little field hospital thing and are getting surrounded by all of these baddies and um it's it's almost reminiscent to me of like I was thinking like platoon and things like that that were really big in the 80s and it yeah. was just an enjoyable watch because I missed those movies right so I'm glad you guys brought it back well that's Brandon me and Brandon are of a similar vintage shall we say I think we're exactly the same age so we have the same influences growing up he was also a martial artist before he blew out his knee I believe and so I really connected with him and and his, you know, his his influences, his tastes connected with mine. So, you know, we work well together and he always has that sort of Top Gun, Top Gunsy buddy camaraderie in his dialogue between between the characters, you know, and they're, you know, busting each other's chops, uh, as they yeah. say. Yeah. And, and, you know, he's he's able to bring that in his scripts and you know he's a very talented guy he's cranking out those scripts he's made a lot of films already i know it's mind-blowing i talked to him and i'm like how did you even have time to talk to me with frost like how are you doing this because i i'm exhausted just watching him you know and and all of the stuff that he's doing so um and and talking about vintage i'm probably about the same vintage you guys are as well i was raised on karate kid i was raised on all of those cool things so i am definitely an 80s child karate kid is my is my origin story so karate kid is what introduced me to the martial arts and you know changed the course of my life in a way 
So that was my inspiration. And after Karate Kid, I met Bruce. Uh, I saw Bruce Lee film, and then I watched every single martial art '80s martial art film that was in the video library, video store at the time. And you know, that's definitely you know had more than a, a significant impact on my life. You know, the course of my life, and just just the way film can introduce uh, a kid like me in Ireland to something a martial Japanese martial art you know and then I go and start training it and then I start competing in it and you know it just has a huge effect on your life and and your development as a as a person as an adolescent becoming an adult it gives you such confidence so it just became like uh, my superpower in a way when I was a kid see and that's awesome like for all of you young people out there video stores where they had the VHS tapes and it would be along the walls and on the <laughs> shelves categorized like books and then you would pay money to rent them <laughs> go home and pop more technology VHS. yeah back to <laughs> yeah you'd pop it into the VHS and if you didn't rewind your film you'd get charged a fee mm. sometimes the VHS would start like flickering and you'd have to put in the tape head cleaner into the VHS to clean up the image <laughs> going down memory lane we are <laughs> right even if you look back at some of like even just television footage from the 90s uh like watching Dahmer recently and they show footage from early 90s and it's all of a sudden started to look really dated and yeah. blurry and and not high def and it's just and like fuzzy 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 yeah. exactly yeah well it's not even the 80s that's... that's the 90s that's the 90s I'm sitting here like, it's really fun because I've got a bunch of kids and it's fun talking to them about some of the things that I experienced growing up because like you and I, we saw the before the cell phones and the internet really kind of took hold and we were, you know, we've seen the whole growth of the technology era, uh, industrial era, so to speak. Um, so it's really fun talking with them about some of this stuff because they're like, what is that? And I'm like, oh, you know, rotary phones are fun. And I was trying to explain it to them. It was like my favorite phone ever to have just because I got to spin the thing a billion times. In the dial? Yeah. Well, the good old days. Yeah, I mean, even even something from the 2000s when I was in university, the 2000s now, like MP3 players or, you know, that's even... Where they could only hold like maybe 50 songs. 15, 15 <laughs> songs, I think my first one had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. fun. It's so much Illegally fun. downloaded off of Napster. <laughs> oh, Napster. <laughs> Napster. Those were the days. We're getting into the, uh, even that's, that's like the early internet stage, that right? That is. Before it was, yes. Before it was stuck to our hand. Yes. Yes. That's so true. Okay. So also, I want to congratulate you. You just got engaged. So congratulations. Thank you. That's exciting. That. Yeah. I'm so excited. Five years, you guys. five years deep in the relationship. I had to make an honest woman out of her. No, but I'm I'm a very lucky man. Oh, that's that's sweet. I love that. That's like I I love whenever you get to see and I like that you're very private about your relationship on social media and stuff like that. But that, that was one moment that you lovingly shared with all of us and i'm excited that you did and i'm excited for you guys so congratulations yeah. and i wish thank you, you, both thank you so much. the best um 
Appreciate that. Yeah, I don't like to pre my Instagram. I don't want to be a slave to Instagram. I don't want to feel like I have to post every day. I don't want to feel like it's a job. So I post, you know, just it's more like my acting portfolio in a way. And, you know, I'll share some moments from private life there if I think, uh, you know, it's something people would enjoy seeing. Or if I'm at an amazing location like a couple of months ago or last month, we were on Copangan in, in the Gulf of Thailand. And, you know, I share some stories from there just to show people. You know, you can come here when you get your summer holiday, <laughs> if you want. The scenery is just gorgeous. Yeah, so. no, I, I came here 14 years ago for a, a month vacation. And as soon as I went back to Ireland, I was just pining for Thailand. Then I got the opportunity from a friend to come teach and coach over here. So I just jumped on that. And 14 years later, cut two. Uh, I'm here in Thailand and, uh, you know, I'm not sure if I'm ever going to leave. Maybe I will for, for better acting opportunities. But right now things are going well for me here. I'm working consistently in film and getting more and more uh, opportunities uh, with people like Brandon and their producer, Damon, as well as, you know, getting ready to start my own feature film that I wrote and will produce. And yeah, so... Sometimes I think, what would, what, how would I get on in Hollywood? And some of the producers on those films are saying, oh, when you're ready, you need to go to LA. You should be doing better, bigger things. And, you know, I'm kind of a, a, of two minds. Like I have a, a nice lifestyle here. And if I go to LA, I'll probably be living in some one bedroom apartment <laughs> uh, or London, which is a beautiful place as well, but it's kind of, wet like ireland is and I, I like i like sunny clear weather hot weather right um so yeah there's positive positives and negatives but thailand is a place that definitely everybody should come and visit and it's the kind of place you have your holiday of your dreams you know going down south seeing the islands seeing the culture in, in bangkok shopping and it's not a perfect place nowhere's perfect but uh yeah. A lot of a lot of expats live here and, and don't ever leave. That's awesome. See, and that's one place that my husband would like to visit sometime, like on vacation. So I'm I'll, I'll hire you to translate for us. Sure. So like, I'm sorry to bother you, but can you please help us not get arrested? I'll um, be your guide. Yeah, I'll help you with your itinerary as well. I'll send you on the right track. Oh, that's good. That makes me feel a lot better. Thank you. Um so you said that you have a movie that you're working on right now. You wrote, um, it's called Kiss of the Con Queen. And it's about uh, Tahil Ramani. Tahil Ramani, yep. Alleged, uh, alleged. You see, this is ongoing in the courts right now. So we have to be careful what we say because he has been arrested in the UK. This is a guy who's very, very talented con artist. He lured up to maybe a thousand talents to Indonesia on promise of their breakthrough role, their dream opportunity, whether they were an actor, a filmmaker, a makeup artist, even private security, stunt coordinators, directors, photographers, the list goes on and on. He ran rampage through the industry for almost 10 years at one point he had even coaxed bts the korean group 
to go to Jakarta. And they didn't realize it was a scam until they arrived. Also, Enrique Iglesias. So this guy was at such a level that he could even like with me, obviously I don't have agents, as many agents and managers and, and to go through, but he's a very convincing guy. He would change his voice to act like uh, Deborah Snyder, um, any, many of these very powerful female executives in Hollywood. So he'd imitate them and he could do male, do male and women and he'd do a double act. So first he would be the um, assistant, the good cop, and then he'd put you on to the big boss, the, the, the bad cop almost. So they play off each other and it's him doing both voices. But I was convinced it was two different people. And so I got lured to Jakarta on promise of an opportunity to play in a Justice League origin story film. And it's all this ego massaging at the start. We saw you in this. You were great in that. These uh, producers from this film that you worked on. So you've been studied. You've been analyzed. You've been, you know, researched. And this scam is tailor-made to, to you to come to L.A. to do your dream audition. And then suddenly it changes and they take it away from you. And you're like, no, 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 no. That's the hook. And then you're trying to do anything to get it back. And then it's like, okay, well, we want to see how you do on this job. We have a, a crew in the area. We have a crew in Singapore. They're going to fly to meet you in Jakarta. We want to shoot you on some of these locations for the movie to see how you do. Then we'll talk about the audition afterwards. And at that, you're willing to, at that point, you're, you're willing to jump through any hoop, what they say. So without talking too much about what happens in the film, things don't go right when you get there. And some people made multiple trips. So that's how convincing people get pissed off. They leave, things don't go to plan, but you're paying expenses while you're there for driver, for shooting permits, for uh, tour guides, for transportation. And so this is a very, very famous uh, con artist who there will be many, many films and, and series made about i'm sure by hbo big, bigger groups than us but we will be first and we will be you know it's told by a real victim and we have other real victims involved so this you know will not be the glamorous sort of corporate hollywood version but this will be the one that was from the victim that decided to get some payback, you know, to, to take what we were promised in the first place. So we're very, very excited about that. We've signed Ravi Patel um, from Meet the Patels and HBO and from Transformers and um, Wonder Woman, I believe as well. He was in Wonder Woman. So he will be our con queen. We're very excited about that. And the rest of the cast announcements will follow shortly but I can't say too much. <laughs> oh, I don't want to get you in trouble, but that's awesome. You know, I was reading up on that whenever you had told me about, about the movie that you're working on. And um, I know Gregory Mandarano is also, um, I don't know if he's involved with this specific project, but I know he does have a feature film screenplay and a TV pilot, I believe, that he's been shopping around i don't know if it's gotten picked up or anything but um 
it was it's really interesting to see that all of these uh and you're right about hbo because i read something about that too like they're like all of these big companies are trying to fumble and bumble about to to get something and here you are you're just like flying into the radar like done that been there right we'll be first there'll be bigger versions you know but uh we'll be first and you know we spoke to greg recently we heard his story um he seems to be managing with it well and he's looking at the positive side of of his experience and what he what he learned out of it now, apparently him and the con man developed a screenplay together which is <laughs> this is how deep this con this con man would give great story notes and would give great ideas and him and greg together have a, a separate screenplay which is not even about him but i believe greg has a story about um the con the con artist himself from his his perspective we're telling the victim's story we're telling the victim's uh experience uh primarily through a character who is um trying to be an actor in bangkok and having ups and downs um but gets his shot what he believes is his shot and he pursues it um until he realizes things are not what it seems and then then he has to escape. So ours is kind of a thriller. It has some dark humor in it because you have to sort of look at the ridiculousness of it as well and and how easily you were able to be manipulated. And there was also a sexual side of the manipulation where people were coaxed into, under the guise of an audition, into phone sex, unwitting phone sex with uh with this character so that was the experience of myself and multiple others um who noticed that his acting was during the sex scene on over skype where you don't see him he never turned his cam on her at that point was a little too convincing it was a little too uh realistic (laughs) so he the the scam the scope of the scam from the the con artist perspective was was more than financial there was this manipulation this role playing even this sexual satisfaction that he was getting out of it and uh it's just a wild story and and we had to tell it so we are well and i think that in telling the story of the victims um yeah, it, it kind of helps to bring about some sort of closure, some catharsis, some healing, because like everything that I'm hearing right now is it's a disgusting breach of of trust, privacy, like everything. You know, you you feel like you've been stripped of who you are. So um, I, kudos to you guys for doing this story and, and getting that out there for other people to see so that way not only does it promote awareness but it also lets everybody else know that they're not alone uh with all of these other possible scammers and things that are also going on and losing your whole identity and losing your life savings and like all of these horrible things that happen so kudos to you guys and i can't wait to see this movie it will be you know cathartic uh, it will be poetic. It will be um, a milestone 
this would be my first project as the screenwriter. So um, it means a lot to me and it means a lot to our director, producer, Tom Waller, who once he read the script was, was all in on it. Um, and, you know, we're just delighted to have the chance to tell such a meaningful and important story, especially in the Me Too. It's another aspect of, of Me Too, really, in a way that, um, you know, these things affect men as well as women, um, even when it's all <laughs> fake. And we've had a lot of victims reach out to us and share their story and you know, make an appeal to be a part of the movie. So we're going to try to accommodate as much as that as possible and, and get everybody in to sort of share in this moment and this this uh, sort of overcoming of, of somebody who was so heartless. And, you know, I don't know, I'm not a psychologist, but the term sociopath comes to mind in, in the way people were treated. And... Um, yeah, we're going to try to incorporate the, as many victims as possible into the film so everybody can get some some closure and some some of what they were promised falsely originally by the con man. But the interesting thing about us is as we will be making our story, the story is still unfolding in real time. So this person is fighting extradition in Great Britain right now in Manchester, I believe. So his next hearing should be any moment. And um, so, you know, as I said, simultaneously as his legal affairs are unfolding, our production will be, you know, shooting. So, and maybe who knows by the time we release, maybe that will coincide with, with some big news, but justice is slow, right? So you never know, maybe our film is out before. Um, he's even extradited. We, we're not sure. Yeah, yeah, and it's especially with the extradition process, it can be super complicated. It could be years. I mean, you look at Snowden, who sat there in the embassy, you know, forever. Um, so it's it's just it's a very difficult process, which only complicates things for these victims because they aren't getting that closure. It's just constantly in the news. It's constantly being talked about. It's constantly being poked at for them. So I really do hope that, um, I think what you guys are doing is phenomenal. Um, and I, I appreciate you. I don't know if like people will tell you that, but I really sincerely do appreciate what you are doing with this project and how you're handling it. Um, I think that says a lot about who you are. I think that says a lot about your character. Um, so you're fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. And uh, I really, really am excited about sharing this project with, with the world. And, you know, this story will be as, as genuine and as authentic as any story can be. Um, right. You know, and that's what we have going for us. Awesome. That's awesome. I'm excited. So I'll keep a lookout for that one. So you were in The Last Full Measure, which starred Sebastian Stan, Bradley Whitford, who is incredible, William Hurt, in uh, it, Christopher Plummer, which it ended up being one of their last movies that they really kind of did uh, before they passed away, Samuel L. Jackson and Ed Harris. So that is like a megastar cast. I have to ask, did you film that all with Sam Jackson? 
Fortunately, no. They were shot in America. That was their older selves, right? So we shot the flashbacks here in in Bangkok. Well, not outside of Bangkok in Kanchanaburi in the jungle in the in the in the woods there. So um, I had cast uh, audition for that film, didn't get it, and so I was offered a stunt position. So I took the stunt job, and something happened with the part of the actor that I auditioned for. And he was having some disagreement. He was having some problems. I'm sitting in the co-pilot seat. And anyway, we come back to shoot the scene the next day and he's not there. I'm not sure what happened, but the actor wasn't there anymore. And they said, oh, and we might just have you read some of these lines here. I said, it's okay. I know the lines. I said, what? I said, yeah, I, I auditioned for this part. Didn't get it, um, but I'm ready. And they're like, that's great. Okay. And we did one rehearsal and then the assistant director came in and shook my hand and said, oh, and well done. You've got the part. You are now the captain. And I was just like, you know, that was just, I was delighted. I was over the moon. So I, I, I really earned that, that role. And it's a smaller part. I'm driving the, the helicopter, but I have lines with the lead, the guy, Pitt, uh, Officer Pitts, who was a medic who kind of sacrificed himself during the war just to do his duty. And that's what the whole story is about. They're trying to get his, um, because the operation was such a failure, it was kind of swept under the rug. Whereas this guy clearly deserved, you know, a higher honor, medal of honor. And so the story revolves around people in the future trying to get, well, in the present, trying to get that, uh, his, his honor up, updated. And then we flash back to the past and we see, you know, what happened in Vietnam. So unfortunately, I didn't get to work with any of those mega stars because that was their older selves. I worked with their younger selves. But just to be in the same film as those guys and just to be on the same cast list as those guys was an absolute honor. And it's something I was very I, I am very proud of. Yeah, that's insane. And then the way that you ended up getting the job, it was like serendipitous, almost like the universe had your back on this one and was like, all right, right. here, we're giving this to you because you're going to rock it. And, and I think it was a very deserving thing. Um, from what I've seen you in, you are brilliant. Your range is incredible. Um, we already went over your in, insane ability with, you know, covering accents and, and making sure that those are like on point. Um, so you don't have any like Dick Van Dyke Cockney accent hate going on at all, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's incredible. So thank um, you so much. I appreciate that. I mean, <laughs> just to hear good feedback like that is, is, you know, it, it, it makes all the hard work worth it that we do this to, to entertain, to elevate, to uplift people and, and, you know, to get good feedback like that is, is very touching. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. So, um, did I read that you played pro basketball for a little bit? Uh, yeah, around when when I was 21, I had my first uh, semi-pro contract in the United in the United Kingdom. Then I went to play in uh, NCAA basketball. In um, I was in Southern Illinois for two years at a junior college, and Southern Indiana for two years uh, at a Division II school. And after that, I played some professional ball in uh, some leagues in Spain. Uh, I was in Germany for a while. I was in Ireland. And then at about 30, 31 years old, 
I came to Thailand and yeah, I had to, had to open the next chapter of my life, which, which led into acting. So if I had never came to Thailand, uh, I would have never been acting in the first place. And yeah, it's just all seemed to, to be a set path in a way. We're just, maybe yeah. I'm just very, very lucky. <laughs> no, like I, I, uh, I am a, a big uh, believer in everything happens for a reason. Um, every decision you make, every decision you don't make. And it's fun to see like where you're at and then looking back at all of the decisions you made to make you end up where you're at. You know, it's like you could turn left or you could turn right, but you turn right. And that's what brought you to this moment. So I think it's a little bit of luck. I also think the universe like has something to do with it. Like, it's just like, yeah, here you go. Um, like this, for instance, I never thought I'd be doing this kind of thing in my wildest dreams, but here I am, you know, like it's, it's a wild, it's a wild thing. Yeah, um, you don't know the path, but it, 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 you find your path and, you know, it's, it's quite mind blowing at times how things work out. Not that yeah. my, my life is perfect. You know, I've, I've obviously made mistakes, same as anyone, but um, things could always be a lot worse. That's, that's important to, to realize. <laughs> Right. And if you can't laugh at your failures, then you're always going to be tied and burdened down by them. So that's how I roll. I'm like, okay, I did something really stupid. Let me laugh at that. Moving on, <laughs> you know. Um, well, I was trying to do research on you. There is a disturbing amount of Owen O'Briens in the world. I just thought I'd let you know that. Very, very common Irish name. So yeah. Yeah. I have to my second I'm Owen Ross O'Brien is my middle name but yeah it's a very it's like a John Smith in, in Ireland it is I you didn't know? realize that I was like oh that's such an interestingly like spelled name for like Owen and then yeah. I looked it up and I was like you know oh he's just it's just gonna be him and maybe like three yeah. other people and it was like, like and I was like oh this is a really big name over there okay yeah and there's so, three different spellings you could do O-W-E-N-E-O-I-N or E-O-G-H-A-N so um Mine is short and sweet, E-O-I-N, you know, but for anybody outside of Ireland, anybody without any knowledge of Irish culture, it's Ian, Ewan, Ian, Eon. I've got, it's been butchered every which way. <laughs> so. And speaking of names, I am so, I was like, and I told you this already, I was just over the moon floored. I was like, I get to talk to somebody that has like a variation of my maiden name. Uh, because outside of my family, which are all Bryans, B-R-I-A-N, um, I have not talked to anybody other Brian, any other spelling variant whatsoever. And so I was like, oh, I'm going to talk to somebody where I have like their bastardized name. This is exciting. Yeah. Well, B-R-I-A-N would be the same spelling in Brian, Brian in, in Irish, but there would be a father, which is a little kind of Czech over over the eye or something uh but you know when when the immigrants came to america there was a stigma against the irish people right so you had to kind of americanize you had to fit in and so the o yeah. would have probably been dropped and yeah. Uh, yeah. you know and that's that's how you got your well, american your american it's version. really fun because like my my grandfather's really big into genealogy and he's you know uh, and so he traces this all the way back, like our line, all the way back to, to Brian Boru. And so like my goal is to go to Ireland, go to that castle and steal a pebble. I am claiming my right yeah. as a thousands of year old, Descendant. like, 
descendant <laughs> from my castle. It's going to be a pebble. Yeah. But it's really exciting. And, you know, and the history behind just our surnames is crazy because you had, you know, Bloody Mary going after all of them and they all had to split. Some of them got imprisoned and some of them, you know, fled the country and changed their last names to different variants so they couldn't be tied back. And which is where you get like, yeah. you know, it's, yeah, it's just it's crazy. Brutal. It's brutal, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Going back almost a millennia of just uh, subjugation and, we had a tough time with our neighbors. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's been really interesting to see how things worked out. Because I am actually writing. Um, I I'm a I'm a writer, and I'm writing a, a paranormal murder mystery thriller with Sherlock Holmes. And um, I am doing all of my setting and stuff like that in London. But I'm doing it nowadays London and 1880s London. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see how even London treated Irish immigrants who came over due to famine and stuff like that. And I'm sitting here like, wow, like I would never have thought that level of, yeah, subjugation and like just all of that would have been there, you know, because I guess yeah. that's not something we're taught in America. <laughs> we're, no. we're whitewashed here. We we, yeah. we were eating turkey with indigenous people and having a yeah. party right the glorification of um you know what was i mean you can't really be blamed for what happened in history that's different different century but yeah everybody had had hard times so especially yeah. the irish especially yeah the irish. Yeah. yeah but i think and that I, gave us our, our character and our our tenacity and our um our charm i think uh, stella adler in her acting approach, she talks about blood memory. So blood memory is, is what's in your genes, this shared sort of heritage over hundreds of years that, and different, different um, groups, different ethnicities, different uh, nationalities will have different attributes according to their blood memory to what, what's been inherited over centuries of of you know struggle and, and experience and yeah that's something that i found interesting that is really cool i i you know and i have enjoyed talking to you this is like I, i'm sorry i'm gonna be like brandon i got a new best friend um, <laughs> but <chat>. uh, <laughs> yeah you know i really appreciate you uh you know i haven't seen battle of saipan yet so you're in a in a superior position. I don't know how you've got this, these connections to get all these screeners. I want to be like you one day. <laughs> uh, but no, thanks for reaching out. Thank you so much for your uh, your positivity and your appreciation of, of our work. And that's what we do for us, to entertain people, to, to give people a good experience and to get the positive feedback. It's, it's very rewarding. Well, I absolutely love the film. Everybody needs to see it when it comes out. Um, November so 25th. Yeah, November 25th, the theater. theaters, right? Yeah, November 29th, VOD. I'm not sure where. That's that's all I know. But the movie's been picked up by Paramount Plus. And it's, um, you know, this contained action thriller in the Marianas Islands in World War II. And all of a sudden, the Japanese at the time decide they want to take back those islands. And we are outmanned and outgunned and scrambling to survive but resourceful to the end exactly 
Okay. So how can people find you if they want to connect or, you know, follow you or whatever? Uh, my Instagram, I think is probably the best place, which I need to sort of work on now is at OB1 underscore IG. So at OB1 underscore IG, that's kind of where you see all my acting stuff. Like I said, it's not really a personal Instagram. I kind of just keep it for mostly for, for my acting work and for my entertainment work here in, in Bangkok and, and elsewhere. And that's probably the easiest place. I'm on Facebook as well under my name, E-O-I-N, Owen O'Brien. But, um, you know, I try to keep uh, social media as uh, a part-time Thing. I don't want to be stuck to it, you know, right. so I, I, I want to spend more time in the real world and more time on my work and my art and on writing and stuff like that. So I, I, I'm careful not to make that a job. Right. No. And I think that's great. And you're doing, I, I, I love it. So any little bits that you share, I'm quite happy with. I've, I've watched all your little clips and stuff. So if you guys, yeah. you guys check that out, cause he's got some really cool things on that, on that Instagram <laughs> That you well, I'm stepping it up glorified. over the production. In we start shooting in December on the next one, so I will be sharing regularly and uh, sharing that experience of of one person overcoming a lot of adversity to achieve my dream. So I like that. I like that title of your memoir right there. <laughs> All right. Well, I will let you go. I appreciate you talking with me. Okay. It's been lovely. Look forward to talking to you again. Let's chat after you've seen the flood. Because yes. Big Jim is a character I worked really hard on. And what else did Brandon say? Maybe I can tap you for some information. <laughs> <laughs> he he said that you he was very, you know, very vague, but he said that you easily stole the show and that your Cajun accent was on point. And that um, you have all of the potential in the world to go big. Oh, that's so nice. Thank you so and much, sweetheart. Yeah, I mean, I read the script and I said to the producer, I want to be Big Jim. And he said, mm -hmm. the Cajun guy? The Louisiana <laughs> guy? And he said, yeah, yeah, I want Big Jim. And they were like, okay. They weren't really sure about it, but... At the end of shooting, the produ another producer came to me and said, Owen, I got to say, when they said Big Jim, you wanted, uh, you wanted to be him. I didn't really see it, but you, you, you nailed it. So that was nice. Awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm excited. We'll definitely talk again when the flood comes out, or at least I get a screener. So that right. way I can, I can rate yeah. your page. In. Those giant man-eating crocodiles, they are a hazard, <laughs> and we need to address it in this, in this uh, film. It's a creature feature. It's fun. It's fun. It's it's I not as poignant as, as uh, maybe the Kong Queen movie, but it's you know it's entertainment, and that's what we we watch movies for. We want all sorts of entertainment, so keep pumping right. it out for us, okay? Thank you. I will. All right. You have a lovely rest of your day. You too. Have a good night. Ah, oh, thank you, sir. <laughs>